Hello. Kia ora. How's it going? We'll go, we'll go all official and proper with a terakoto katoa. Ko e wifa me opuki na moanga. Ko Thames te awa. Ko fera okutupuna. I tipu ake aho ki Oxford, UK. Uh, I te tau 2004 i harimai o ki Aotearoa. Katie Noho o no Otatahi. Uh, ko Jones toku Fonuanga. Uh, ko Tim toku Ingoa. Uh, Norea, Tanakoto, 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 Katoa. Welcome. Um, we think this possibly is the largest B local event in the history of New Zealand. So, <laughs> round of applause for that. Um, it's B local, it's B Corp month, so a round of applause for that. Um, it's the 10 year anniversary of um, B Corp in this region. Is that right? Yep. So, a round of applause for that. Um, and a round of applause for you all getting up at this ungodly hour. Um, it's like, we organised this event, and on the way in, I'm like, why did we do a breakfast event? It's still night time. What is going on? So, yeah, if you hadn't worked out, this is um, the Be Local event for Otatahi Christchurch for uh, 2023, um, put together by the team at Be Local, um, which is, well, we've got the slide for that. Let's go all official. Which is myself, Kathy, and Kath. We ran out of names. We, got, we had a team, and it's like, Kath, Kathy, yeah, we'll just stick with those. So if you're a Kath or a Kathy, and you work for a B Corp, and you want to come and join the committee, we, we, we take Kaths and Kathys only from now on. Um, B Locals are, they're all over the world. Um, so there's B Local Auckland, B Local Wellington, B Local um, Christchurch. And basically, it's, it's local B Corps who do events to try and bring the B Corp community together, as well as bringing be curious and wannabes into the fold so they can come and meet some real life B Corps. So yeah, me, Kath and Kathy. Well, Kath and I, we started first doing B Locals, I don't know, like literally almost a decade ago. And it would be me, Kath and Steve, and maybe a couple of other people. It's like, oh, are you guys still a B Corp? Yep, we're still a B Corp. Cool. No one else who's a B Corp? No. Okay. I will see you next year. Yep. Cool. So it's really cool to see so many unfamiliar faces in the room. Um, so yeah, if you want to know more about Be Local, come and find one of us at the end. Um, yeah. So to kick off with, um, well, what are we going to cover off? So we're going to have a quick um, intro and briefing uh, from Francis from uh, Kathmandu, just to let us know what we need to do if anything happens in the building or there's any crazy weather events. And then we'll have Kule from B-Lab giving us a quick opening address. Um, and we've got a little video uh, we're going to play just to summarise some of the cool things going on in the B Corp movement around the region. And then obviously we'll hit into the panel event. Lots of cool questions for these cool cats. And then there will be time if, um, obviously we did ask you to submit questions um, when you got your ticket, but if you've suddenly thought of a question or there's a question that comes to mind during the event, we will have time for hopefully some audience Q&A at the end. And then feel free to stick around at the end to chat, say hi, meet some cool people. Right, before we get into it though, um, we do have some thanks. So um, B Corps are really cool and they always try and support each other. So Jamie from Twice, got some, did anyone try the edible cups that were out there? So Jamie got them to Kule, Kule bought them down in a bag, she got them to Kath or Kathy, it's like, it's all been happening. So thanks to Jamie, um, Taylor Pass Honey, Raglan Coconut, Ceres Organics, Pix Peanut Butter and the Cheer Sisters, they all provided us with some B Corp refreshments for you this morning, so shout out to them. Um, also a shout out, well, I'm going to give Kaushik the shout out anyway, even though I couldn't get his microphone to work. So for the panellists, um, we're going to be using this phone as a microphone because we did have a couple of B Corps in the regions who were like, hey, can you live stream the event? And it's like, eh, we'll give it a go. Um, so yeah, 
We borrowed some mics from Koshek. He's a great guy. He does really cool AV stuff, but it was my error. I couldn't get his mics to work. Um, can do catering. Um, I don't think there's anyone from Can do still around. They've all gone. Um, if you don't know Can do catering, they're really cool. They're a local social enterprise. All their staff um, basically have a disability, um, yet they're provided the opportunity for mainstream employment and they make great food. So shout out to them. Um, and obviously shout out to KMD for giving us this amazing venue. Um, thank you so much. I'll just play, they can play a quick video to just sort of encapsulate some of the stuff that's been going on in the B Corp world. And then, um, yeah, when that's done, we'll get a QLA to come up and just say a couple of words. So hopefully the audio is going to work on this one. Fingers crossed. Three, two, one. For us, if it's about being able to evidence that we're doing better and making sure we're bringing our people along on the journey as well. I knew from before I started. Today we are celebrating 10 years of B-Lab Australia, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Initially, the movement was very much grassroots and after setting up B-Lab with 50 B-Corps, that was when momentum really started to grow. There are now more than 500 B-Corps in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand, Woo! employing more than 30,000 people and turning over more than $14 billion every year. And they're part of a worldwide community of over 6,000 B-Corps. We really have an opportunity to use business as a force for good right now because there's so many big, big challenges that we are facing as a planet and we spend so much time at work, it just makes sense to be solving those problems. And B Corps are leading the way. The B Corp movement is united by a vision of creating an economic system that is inclusive, equitable, and regenerative, that benefits all people and planets. As a B Corp, we're going beyond by putting purpose ahead of profit. Ultimately, it's about the whole system and not just the leading edge. We're a global force now. The change is happening. BCorp offers a model for businesses to continuously improve their impact. Sometimes you have to just begin to begin. And the great thing about the B Impact Assessment Tool is it is free of charge to dabble in and play with initially and understand what it might take to become a B Corp. You know, that whole idea of when you change the way you measure, what you value, behaviours change, is just so true. If we can drive those values of B-Corps to become, that's just ordinary way you do business. We'll respect and value those things that are living systems in a much better way. The next step for the B-Corp movement, I think will be more collaboration between a much larger family of B-Corp businesses, a larger understanding from people looking out for B-Corp businesses, and you know maybe even starting to influence governments as a B-Corp collective. Where we are today is in a very different place from where we were then. It was about collecting those people and now it's about pushing this movement forward so that we can have real systems change, impact and really disrupt the way things have always been done in business. Now that we have a collection of organisations who are like-minded and values aligned and do business in a similar way, what can we do together that we can't do apart? A new future is possible. A place where people, planet and communities prosper. If you haven't started yet, what are you waiting for? Nice. Cool. Kula, round of applause, please, for the amazing Kula. And are you all right to speak into that as a microphone? Sure.
Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, amazing opening and creating so much energy in the room, as you always do. So very grateful for that. Um, yeah, it's amazing to be here at this first uh, B Corp event, official B Corp event for B Corp month this year. Um, and the city is no stranger to firsts. We have the, the very first B Corp was here in 2012, um, Eagle Protect, who we'll be hearing a lot more from um, in the panel. Um, and, and as Tim said, we've now reached 100 B Corps in Aotearoa, which is super exciting. Um, but I can't help but think what it must have been like in those early years, 10 years ago, when nobody you know, was talking about B Corp, um, barely anyone knew what it was. And it, it feels like it must have been, you must have felt like blind creatures kind of rolling around in the dark, trying to put, you know, put your arms around this thing, this movement, but you didn't really know what it was and so I think that that's that's really incredible that you guys have really pushed forward with that and built such a strong community here in Christchurch um, and really kind of emanated that out to the rest of Aotearoa so thank you for being the first um, and we don't often talk about firsts at B-Lab we try to be a very inclusive movement but um, I think it's it's fitting to to acknowledge that the hard work that it takes to be those leaders in those early years um, and there's a whakatoki I just wanted to share uh, along these lines which goes Mamua kakite amuri, mamuri ka ora amua. Those who lead give sight to those who follow. Those who follow give life to those who lead. Um, and the B Corp movement is really a, a community of leaders, uh, and and it's not always easy. You know, the process is difficult. I'm sure we'll hear you know a lot from the B Corps in the room about how rigorous the the assessment is. Um, and even once you become a B Corp, you know, that's just the beginning. It's the start of a continuous improvement journey. Um, but it's this deep connection to a sense that business is, should be a force for good and that we should always be thinking about the role that business plays in society to solve some of these really big, gnarly challenges um, ahead of us. Um, and that's what kind of keeps everybody, keeps everybody in the movement, in the B Corp cult. Um, and we hope that those of you that are new to it here today um, can find out something that you didn't know before. Um, come and speak to us if you've got any questions. Um, so I'm, I should have introduced my role. I'm the Aotearoa New Zealand Manager at B Lab and we've got Angie at the back there who is our Director of Communications um, visiting from Melbourne. Uh, we have about another dozen people based over in Australia who are here to support the movement, both in Australia and New Zealand. So um, lots of people here to help you on the journey if it's something that you're interested in. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to say thank you so much to the Be Local Otatahi Christchurch crew for putting this all together. Um, our Be Locals are run entirely by volunteer B Corps, so they put in the time to organise these events, um, keep people together, keep people engaged, and it's that kind of grassroots local um, community that really keeps the movement alive. Um, so thank you, Tim and Kath and Kathy. Uh, and a huge thank you to Kathmandu for hosting us in this awesome space. Um, we've been meaning to do, do it for a while, so it's awesome to finally be here um, and, and to kind of helping put on this awesome breakfast. And congratulations again on such a great announcement this you know, last week with Kathmandu and Rip Girl and Oboes certifying. Um, so that's all I really wanted to say and happy to pass it over back to Tim and the panel um, and look forward to chatting to more of you later. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right then. Come on, Clicker, you can do it.
I even changed your batteries so that you wouldn't do this today. Cool, so we'll get into the panel then. So panelists, we have, um, you're sitting in the wrong order, you could have sat in the same order as my slide, come on guys. Um, I'm now really confused, oh, which one do I start? Okay, we'll go with Shasta. So we've got Shasta O'Loughlin, who's head of ESG at the KMD Brands. Um, so I'm sure you're probably feeling quite tired, having just certified two companies and recertified quite a big one. Um, we've got Steve Arda. Um, so Steve, CEO and founder of Eagle Protect. They were B Corp number one. They're so B Corp, they were a B Corp before B Corp was even in New Zealand. It makes sense. They certified in 2012 and B Lab didn't get to New Zealand until 2014. So Steve had to ring America and go, hey, I'd like to be a B Corp. And they're like, who are you? What are you talking about? What's going on? But we'll unpack that. Um, we've got James Stewart from Gamelli Consulting, um, a fairly recent B Corp, late last year. And uh, Kylie Matthews from Our Period Care, you certified a couple of years ago? It feels like you've been a B Corp forever. It's because you're just so awesome. You've like just always been like a B Corp. So yeah, so these are our panellists. Um, we've, got, we've got questions already, um, like I say, that you were submitting um, um, when you purchased, well, purchased, when you got your free ticket. Um, but if you get a question that you kind of think of that you'd like to ask, there will be some time at the end if we haven't completely run out of time. Um, so, to get us kicked off, on my, on the specs, um, so you might have noticed that the theme for B Corp month this year is we go beyond, um, and so I guess that's, you know, as B Corps, some of the overarching messages, no pressure now with the Director of Communications in the room, some of the overarching messages of, of how B Corps go beyond is, you know, beyond business as usual, beyond greenwashing, beyond just maximising profit. It's like, how do we actually balance the purpose and profit? So that's kind of like the context. But one of the questions we did have, and then I'm, I'm going to pass my microphone. I'm going to use this as a microphone for the... Um, I'm going to go to Steve first because he is the first B Corp in New Zealand. Thank you very much. Um, what made you want to become a B Corp? <laughs> <laughs> you guys might as well go home. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that, how long do we want? Uh, we're going back a bit in time, so that was 2012. We, Linda and I, who's sitting in the front row, set the company up in 2006, and a big part of it was we wanted the company to be exciting to work for, even though we may not be the most exciting product, which is disposable gloves and PPE. Um, so we are very proudly the world's dirtiest B Corp, but we have the best opportunity to <clears throat> make a difference. And, just to really, I'm sort of going all around the place, but I tend to do that. Just to give you an idea, the US uses 328 million disposable gloves every day. 25% of those we estimate are never used because they rip or they're damaged. And so by using our gloves, we could save 30, 40 or 50 million gloves a day just by doing that. So in terms of the benefit we could, we could make, it's huge just by taking care or taking notice. Um, why did we become a B Corp? I ran into a company in the States called Method, uh, does anyone know them? Method Detergent. Um, and they were a B Corp and the, I liked what they did because they were also a very boring business. They sold detergents and soaps, but they did it really well. And they, um, so we read their story and got in contact with them and then got in contact with B Lab and thought, well, this is a good way of us putting our money where our mouth is. Can you, can you hold two mics? Hold two now. Oh, my God. This, <laughs> this is like, do you want me to scratch my head as well? Yes, I'll, I'll do that for you. <laughs> Thank you. Can you, is this actually working? Oh, good. Um, and so we went, went and saw them. I dropped into B Lab in San Francisco at the time and found out what to do. And over a period of, that was in 2011, I guess. And so. Sorry, just keep talking. Are you going to hold it there then? You keep talking. No. Keep talking. <laughs> okay, you bring that one. Even better. Here we go. We're well machines. Thank you. Awesome. Is that better? Oh, look at that. Um, and over a period of a year or so, we sort of worked out how to get certified. And I was just telling these guys, one of the first experiences we have, I was talking to a lady in Nairobi, 
at around midnight who was our B-Lab certification person working for the States. And some of the stuff that they were asking us was very American and I was trying to tell her that some of these things don't actually apply to New Zealand. And I won't go into detail because I might insult somebody, but it was, um, but it was a pretty interesting process. But we, we got there in the end and you know, a, a company that sells a disposable glove that travels halfway around the world gets used for an hour. Um, it's a real challenge to be a B Corp, but we believed in it and we can do a lot of other good things um, outside that um, to, to be a better business. I better be quiet, Tim, so you can carry on with the others. Pass it down the line. Yeah, both mics. Both, sorry, yeah. James the Pro, was Same question, was it? Yeah, yeah. Which was? Why, why did you? <laughs> <laughs> was it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> What's for lunch? Um, so for us, it was just, it was um, a few things, really. It was a, sort of a sense of accountability. We, we knew that we were on a journey of doing um, epic stuff for epic clients and helping them unlock um, social impact in their worlds and environmental impact in their worlds. But um, we, we're a small, a small um, consulting company, so we really just were sort of a bit ignorant about what's next and how to improve. And, um, and so that was one of the core drivers for us about, um, about embarking on the B Corp journey is that it gave us a real framework um, for challenge and continuous improvement and go, never thought about that. How can we recycle our batteries better? How can we do this? How can we do that? All these incremental things that we were just ignorant about because we sort of had our heads down and just cranking on. Um, so that was an amazing opportunity to shine a spotlight on where we were potentially having a negative impact um, or where we were not taking up an opportunity for a positive impact socially and environmentally. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Um, for our, it was from day one, we knew that we wanted to be a B Corp from inception really, when we um, sort of planned the business and what our ethos was, it radiated that we could become a B Corp. So it was part of the journey. It took us a couple of years to get there because with any startup, you're sort of chasing your tail and you're growing. And then we sort of got to the point where it was like, actually let's now start this assessment. And going through the assessment was great as well because um, like James said, it sort of opens your eyes to areas where you can improve and things you hadn't really thought about. So I believe um, we had it there in the beginning, uh, which made it easier because we didn't have to unravel lots of things to start again. Um, and then we're able to make improvements in other areas as we went as well, and now are on that journey of continuous improvement and um, really chasing that as well. Like the goal is to improve our score and smash it for the next um, reassessment in a couple of years. So yeah, you've got to keep building on it, which is great. Thanks. Um, I guess ours is a little bit different because um, previously I was working for Ripcurl and when Kathmandu acquired Ripcurl, uh, Kathmandu was already a B Corp. So we were actually pushed straight into it um, and the same with Ovos. Uh, it was something that we'd already looked at and saw as a framework um, to sort of guide us as well. But being a multi-national uh, big corporation, I guess now under the K&D Brands um, banner. For us, it was about just the employees. So to the crew to show them that we were embedded in this um, framework and this journey to be a better social and environmental business um, to all the communities, I guess, that we touch and the environment that we touch as being really a brands that are out there to sell stuff. So uh, just doing it better. So I'll stick with you, Shasta. Sure. Um, what's been the most unexpected outcome of, of going through certification? Uh, for us, probably, I mean, it was so amazing because Kathmandu had led the way for, a, for us as a group of brands. 
Uh, we were able to learn through their journey, so they were a certified B Corp in 2019, uh, which is the simile that they brought us, um, and OBOs as well. So for us, we were learning through their experience, um, and then as a group, coming together and sharing different policies or different process and learning between three brands um, on what we could do better. Um, part of our certification as well was we um, certified our wetsuit assembly manufacturing um, business in Thailand. So Ripka own and owns and operates a wetsuit factory and part of that accreditation, we actually got them through the B Corp certification as well. So that was a huge one being in manufacturing as well as the retail wholesale business and having to do two different types of assessments. Um, and I think what that did is it just made everyone internally so proud that we've gone beyond, beyond um, to certify. Yeah, and, and the biggest probably thing, I mean, we only announced on Tuesday, so it's very new to our internal crew. They knew we were going through the, bit, the journey. Um, but our athletes, so obviously we have really key athletes across the world, um, they are just so proud. So I'm not sure if anyone follows Mick Fanning on Instagram, but if you look at his or um, you know, we've got Rosie Hodge and these amazing ambassadors and athletes across the world. They are just so proud to be part of this this journey and be, you know, surfing for a company that that is putting this embedded into our business. So that's probably the biggest surprise is is their following. I did ponder on this question because I was thinking, what what's unexpected that's come out of it, and probably a positive that's come out of the whole journey is being a startup and. Um, you just, you just go and you're doing every part of it. But this has actually made us really step back and reflect and put some really clear policies and guidelines in place, uh, which is really gonna set AWA up as it moves into its next growth phase and um, takes on the big export journey. We've really got all of that in place. So um, I think that's a really good positive outcome from it. Awesome. Um, for us, I think the unexpected thing was actually how much of an epic team building exercise it was. Um, really early on, like at the outset, we made the decision that this wasn't just something that the boss would do and go, hey team, look, we've got, a, we've got a, something to go on your body with your email signature. Um, and the entire team, you know, we're small, we're four or five people, so we, we brought our entire team along for the journey at each of the workshops. Um, divvied up tasks, divvied up action points for each of them to go on and crack on. And it was awesome to see their buy-in so it wasn't, I mean, the, our team at Epic at working in the business, but um, you know, being a small company, I do most of the work on the business. And so it was awesome to open up that on the business piece to them and get their buy-in to it, see the accountability, see the pride that they took on that. And also just opening up a whole bunch of corporate stuff with a lowercase c um, for our business and just going, great, actually, this is what I earn. This is what the accounts look like. Just sharing a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't normally happen and shouldn't be something that's big and scary. It should be something that you're able to share with your team and stuff like that. And so that just built team trust, built some accountability, and, um, and it was just really awesome just to see the culture shift um, through, the, through the journey that we took. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I guess the biggest surprise was in 2012, was it, when a big burly Welshman came <laughs> flying through the door and said, tell me about B Corps, and, and, and then basically picked up the ball and, and grew what we have here now since then. But um, I guess it's the, there's a couple of things. One is it's opened a few doors for us. 
But the other thing is getting invited to speak on panels about gloves is pretty <laughs> But um, the, the main thing is I think the staff, and there's a few of them here, so I hope I'm not telling lies, but the enthusiasm um, that the staff have both here and in the US for the B Corp um, signal that we have, because they know how hard it is for us to get it, and Kath, who's probably disappeared somewhere now, is, um, is the one who does all the work for it, and she can attest to that. It's really hard for us to, to be a B Corp. So I guess that's it's, it's a real staff engagement tool for us that, um, that we love having. And so that leads on to actually one of the next questions, which was, um, how do you help, I know, uh, what tips and tricks do you have for helping the wider organisation feel the connection to being a B Corp? Now, I think it's a bit of a trick question because B Corp just, it just does seem to capture the heart. Like, has anyone done ISO certification in a company? Was it exciting? Did you love it? Did you, have you told all your friends and family they should do ISO? No. Hands up who's done B Corp and told everyone they know that they should be a B Corp. It's like, well, why does that happen? I don't know. Angie, you need to work out. So, yeah, so what, what, what did you do to get the team on board? Because back then it was like, and they, now people might know what a B Corp is, but back then it's like, Steve, what? It's like, you're confused. What's going on there? Yes, you might have to put me under hypnosis to remember these things because it's so far ago, but um, I just think people were really interested in it. We, we'd, we, we used to, to go to a trade show in Germany every year, we still do, um, and drop in on the States on the way back, and that's how we found about it. So it's, it's telling the stories of people like Method, Ben & Jerry's, Patagonia, who were already B Corps, and you know those names everybody knows, so it was pretty exciting. And I think just people just got on board. It gave, gave us a point of difference in terms of being able to tell our story. I do remember, and I've told this story a lot, that one of our big customers at the time said, Steve, people just don't give a shit. Um, and I, that, that was the exact words. He now doesn't believe that. Um, but, and the, but the good thing about that was I said people do. Companies may not, but people, humans, actually do give a shit about workers' rights and the environment and, and building a good business. I'll stop, otherwise I'll carry on. For one night only. Yeah. I think ours is sort of similar in the sense that um, I guess the layer for us was that it actually was really helpful to help clarify a bunch of our strategies and, and, and our why as an organisation. We were coming up five years old when we started the B Corp journey and, and it really, and we'd when been bumbling along is a, a term that gets some negative press, but I think it's a great term. But, you know, we'd been ticking along, head down, doing the, doing the mahi that we really loved doing. But um, like we said before, it gave us that chance to jump up above the parapet, put this periscope up and go, oh, we've actually got to really define, like that's what our website said when we wrote it four or five years ago, is that still true now? And typically with startups, it's not. It might have shifted and, and, and evolved. So that was really epic for us to be able to go, great, now let's get the team to actually shape. And we had some really robust challenges, challenging conversations about how we achieve our purpose and our why. Um, because, you know, if we, if we all agreed to this, we'd have to tick a box and that would open up a bunch of series of questions that we had to be able to hand on heart answer and, um, or hand on heart say that we're going to pursue and track down. So that was another awesome piece um, for us to sort of bring the team together and help shape the strategic direction of the company. We've got a pretty small team and uh, we're a business with purpose from the beginning so people want to come and work for us because of what our goal is and what we give back to communities. So to then be able to talk to the team about, hey look, we're going to do this B Corp certification and actually be recognised for everything that we're doing, they got really excited about it. They really wanted to be part of it. So. We have weekly meetings and just ensuring that they were all brought into that and it was keeping them up to date with where we were in the process, getting them to help along with um, you know, 
uh, carbon emission measurements and making them feel part of it. Um, and you know, when we certified, that was great. That was a huge celebration that we all felt that we could be part of because everybody had had that part in the journey as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess the engagement, ours was a bit more challenging because we've got so many uh, employees across the world in so many different locations. Um, so as part of the recertification under KMD Brands, we've covered uh, countries like Brazil, Thailand, um, Indonesia, um, uh, Canada, US, France. So we've got a really big network and that covers workers from office, DCs and in stores, plus the manufacturing um, facility in Thailand. So for us, the engagement piece on employees was quite challenging because not everyone can be involved, obviously. Um, but we did create a bit of a uh, project team uh, and had you know project planning and just sort of allocated different people to different um, tasks. And then we actually, because ours was, was a little bit different with <coughs> four certifications under one, so we did four BIAs under our one certification, uh, we actually had this little tracker on the wall that sort of gave our, our points and um, when we were going through verification and update, so we had, you know, we're at sitting at 86 points and we're 50% verified and it was this at the entry of the, the office and people would stop and start asking questions and things and, and when we actually pressed the submit button we, we held a celebration uh, in the office to sort of showcase that this was a big step and we were really excited to be there so that was kind of ours but yeah there was definitely challenges in that and we still have employees that are what's a B Corp so we've got a big job to do um, as a bigger business to, to support our crew and, and you know, empower them with knowledge as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think the key is like, you've got to bring the stuff on the journey. If you do it in isolation, you're missing a massive opportunity. Like, if you think about your stakeholders, if you can get your employees on board, then get your customers on board, then get you know, your supply chain on board, then get your investors or other concerned stakeholders on board, then you, you're gonna pay your certification feedback like 50 times, that's my theory. Don't quote me on that number, that's just hashtag this is not accounting or legal advice, etc. You, you guys do financial advice, so you, you got my covered, there's some form of um, So there was a couple of questions about supply chain, which is possibly less relevant for James, um, because your supply chain's quite small, you buy some paper and some laptops, yeah. maybe, you're a bit like me. However, the, the other three, you possibly have some supply chain stuff, I think you've got a lot of supply chain. Yep. Yeah. So two sort of questions on supply chain. So what is the biggest pain point for B Corps in supply chain on the B Corp journey? And how do you best assess suppliers and choose the most sustainable options, particularly when there might not be an option in New Zealand for that supply? Or even in the world for you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, huge question. Um, supply chain was obviously a huge part of our assessment. Um, we were really lucky because we've actually done an amazing amount of work already within our supply chain. Um, we've got Gary Shaw who's in the audience today who has been an advocate for modern slavery and human rights and has done some amazing work within our supply chain already. And with the acquisition, our compliance program was all filtered through one um, set of one team so we've sort of learned through the three businesses I guess what works where we can have impact and the conversations we should be having um, across the three brands we're really lucky because our suppliers have we've got a lot of long-term suppliers so some of the um, suppliers have been making our products for over 20 years 
Um, so you can have those conversations with those suppliers because they're on the journey with you. So um, it's, it's about having the conversation. I think the more companies that are moving with the B Corp movement will then impact our supply chain because obviously that's where your emissions are, are happening and that's where your impact is. Um, if they can come to us with better materials to create our products, that's obviously going to have an impact. So if we're pushing, um, that, that's the bigger piece of the puzzle for us. Um, but also, I guess, trying to figure out what, the, what are the right tools to actually gather that information. So what the B Corp assessment did for us is it went, we had to have an actual framework that is going to count um, environmental impact of these suppliers. So we started to ro roll out the HIG portal. And that was something that we looked at previously, but now it made sense and we had the backing of the B Corp certification to actually invest in those systems um, and onboard those suppliers with it. So that was probably one that we, and yeah, I mean, it's not the most, some of the products we're making, you know, they are harsh, but you are looking for better improvements in chemicals and better improvements in production. Um, and that's all part of it. So I think, you, are, you will prioritise sustainable, more um, efficient suppliers, but there is a challenge in that space because it's just not there yet. Um, so yeah, definitely a challenge. Um, so we've been working with the same suppliers since we started as well. We've got manufacturers in Sri Lanka and China. And uh, as at the very beginning, we were fortunate enough to be able to go over and visit our factory in Sri Lanka and um, see the workers there and go and see some of the fabric suppliers and the bigger factories that were feeding into our supply chain. Um, and that was an incredible experience. And being able to be face to face with uh, your manufacturers and the people that I, in my role I'm dealing with weekly um, to produce our goods and be able to really share, share with them what our ethos was and what our purpose was about being really sustainable and using you know, organic cottons and recycled nylons and them knowing that from day one. So we've really pushed them on that to continue to improve and find better suppliers, those ones who've got all of the certifications, the Ecotech and the GOT certified cottons. Um, and when we started the B Corp as well, it was really exciting to be able to say, hey, look, we're, this is what we're doing and be able to explain that to both of them. So they brought into that. Um, we've got a traceable supply chain, so if you get on our website, you can see um, our whole supply chain all the way back to the fields in which the cotton is picked. And that was something that we've had since day one as well. So, um, yeah, just being able to bring those suppliers on board and have them buy into what we were trying to achieve has helped. But um, as you said, like it's, it's a journey. You never, you can always improve. We're always looking for better fabrics um, that are going to be better for the environment. So um, it's great to have those suppliers on that journey with us as well. Do you want me to talk to our biro supplier? Or? Well, <laughs> you know, um, do you see it from RFPs, maybe in terms of being in a supply chain? Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we work with, um, we do a lot of project finance work for social housing, community housing, and help do the financial feasibility for that. And then we typically partner with a development manager, um, and, and then we walk through the RFP process with them, and we're talking about waste to, um, to landfill, we're talking about number of um, apprenticeships that are being brought up through the labour supply chain and things like that. So, yeah, we definitely like touch on that side of thing, but it's epic seeing the demand side coming. It's fantastic that we're all supplying good stuff and more good stuff out there. 
But, um, you know, if we look at the other businesses that aren't in the room or aren't on that journey, it's epic seeing the, um, the demand for um, ESG flowing through um, supply chains coming from, you know, um, ethically minded um, purchases. So that's no, a good thing from our side too. Um, yeah, we have a challenge uh, as well because our, most of our gear comes out of Malaysia, Thailand, a little bit out of China. We've moved out of China a lot um, for a number of reasons, as much as we could. Uh, we, way back in the day, 10 or 11 years ago, we, we borrowed the Patagonia Code of Conduct that they used for their international suppliers and we adapted it to our um, business and took it to our companies and translated it into Chinese even and uh, Mandarin and got them to, to go through it. And, and it was a fairly informal process. We still do that when we can travel, uh, which hasn't been easy for the last wee while. Uh, we also use independent audits, um, CEDEX, et cetera, which Kath runs for our factories. And customers like Costco in the States, who we supply, uh, have their own audits. So the factories get audited to death, and they, they literally have auditors there every day of the week um, pretty well. There's a real balance though because um, the glove business is a dirty business, there's a lot of forced labour, slave labour. If you have the unfortunate experience to go to A&E today, you'll probably be using gloves that came out of a factory that was using forced labour that were banned for entry into the US but not New Zealand, um, which is something that really annoys us because New Zealand's a little bit behind in this, but that's a whole other um, podcast, I guess. But, um, but the other thing we've got to remember, and I, I remember talking to some of the workers years ago in um, Malaysia, and these guys come from Myanmar, um, Indonesia, so they're often immigrant labour, and they want to work every hour they can because they're sending money back to their families. So we've got to balance that with their, their goals alongside our Western paradigm that people should be working 40 hours a week and then go and play sport. Um, it's a different world, so there's just that balance that we've got to remember um, in terms of what we're trying to enforce on people. I'm not saying they should be working 120 hours a week, but there's just that sort of balance. Nice one. Um, so we've got one question here, which I think is going to be really easy one for you all to answer, which is, how do you help convince those at the top of the food chain in your company that becoming a big corporate is worth the effort? Well, Steve, you were the top of the food chain. James, you were the top of the food chain. Kylie, you were the top of the food chain. Shasta, you joined a company that was already a big corp. So do any of you have anything on that? Have you, uh, like I say, maybe, I think most of the B Corps in New Zealand that I know of, it's been the boss that's kind of gone, we're doing this, and I'm going to bring you on the journey. Any of you got any comments on, on that as a topic? Or is it, yeah? yeah? So I've got some mates who are um, not as socially minded. Um, I could chuck some other adjectives in there, but I won't. Um, lovely people, but are on a journey. And, um, and so they're just going, what a waste of time. You know, it's all fluffy, liberal, you know, woke, you know, stuff, and you know, just going, it's just nonsense, what a waste of money. I go, cool, I've been working on you for six months on trying to show you why it's not um, that stuff and it's actually our responsibility to, to steward and to look after things. But if I'm not going to win that argument now, we'll just park that one for the side and say that you are going to attract way better staff. You are going to make way more money. You're going to buy, be able to buy a new Maserati next year instead of the year after because you're going to attract better staff and, and look after your team. You're going to retain more staff because you're going to have a far better work environment and things like that. So I'm being facetious. But, you know, there are, um, it's, it's a good investment. It's the right thing to do. And so first and foremost, impact first. It is the right thing to do to go down this B Corp journey and look after your environmental and social outcomes. But... 
being frank, we're all here to run a business and it actually increases staff retention, it helps you attract the best and brightest people that want to work for a for-purpose company um, and that impacts on the bottom line and, and there's great data out there that show that you know B Corps and companies that take the ESG responsibilities seriously are more profitable and that's epic because if we can scale and do more good and put more money into our purpose and things like that, then that is something to be celebrated as opposed to go liberalism versus you know capitalism you know they can both coexist in a social enterprise environment so that's probably my i know crazy oh, yeah yeah and <laughs> steve can hold the phone for me um yeah i'll just add my two cents onto that um there's a couple of things so typically what, what i would advise is if you if you are what i call the concerned citizen in an organization who's like i think we should be a b-corp what you need to do is go and take your ceo for a coffee or a beer or lunch and just ask, ask him or her, what's keeping you awake at night? And they will have three things embedded in their skull that is stopping them getting to sleep at 3 a.m. in the morning. And it will be, we're struggling to get good stuff. We're losing stuff. Our profitability's down. There will be a pressure that B Corp certification will help relieve. And there's pretty much, I'm yet to see any data that would say that B Corp wouldn't help solve one of those problems, so long as you do it authentically and you nail it. But on the second one, I was talking to um, Q, Angie, and Kath at dinner last night. So we, we were talking to a company recently, and the CEO is a mid-60s white guy from Melbourne, I think he was, or Sydney. And he opened the meeting with this. He goes, right, yeah, Tim, look, I'm a pretty old white guy. Um, I like money, I like playing golf, I like hanging out with other white guys who like playing golf. <laughs> I am conservative with a big C and a little C. I don't believe in any of this shit, but I recognise I have to for my business to be relevant. So what have you got? <laughs> like, you're gonna you're gonna come around to doing this stuff one way or the other. So get on with that. <laughs> um, so next question, which leads on nicely from Jamie's little chat, is um, has it been worth it to be B Corp certified? Maybe not ask Steve first, because you're probably gonna yeah, for the first eight years it was a bit shabby, but he only B Corp. <laughs> That was, I, I can't, you got my hand around the wrong way. Sorry. Um, I mean, of course it's been worth it. Um, just to connect with people like yourselves and around the world, and it's a, and it gets you in places. Um, our first office in Oakland in the States was from another B Corp who gave us a space um, in deep in his, his big office, office products office. Um, and so you just get in there. I mean, it doesn't mean you get the business, you still have to be good at what you do, and that's, that's the way it should be. Um, but it, yeah, it's been worth it. But I, you know, echo what um, Jamie said as, as well. It's like we we're in business for profit, and we don't pretend otherwise. We're not a social enterprise. We certainly have a lot of social goals and all these sort of things. But we've got to be a good business and a robust business to do the good that we want to do. Um, we're not going to be good in the bankruptcy court. We've got to be a strong business. So and that helps us be a strong business. So it's just a, it's just a it's a no brainer for us in terms of the benefits. For the business and and outside the business as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, from a from a staffing perspective, attracting better people, um, from a building a better team culture, to clarifying um, where we want to go and how we're going to get there and what the incremental next steps are, and keeping us accountable on that space. There, it's it's been a fantastic journey. It's not an easy journey. It's definitely um, a lot of mahi in that space there. So um, yeah, definitely get a good. A consultant to help you along the journey would be my my advice. That's, that's what you want me to say. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hundred percent. It's definitely been worth 
the journey and to be here, um, just to echo what others have said, to come and have a network like this, to be able to collaborate with other B Corp businesses, find out what they're doing. So you're always on that journey of improvement. Um, and to be able to set up a really clear framework um, for moving into the future with the business. I think a good example was us. When we launched, we um, said we'd donate 5% of all underwear created to help eradicate period poverty in New Zealand. And that's what we had, that's what we were doing until we started on the B Corp journey. And because we were sort of struggling a little bit, like how do we account? What is 5%? Is it 5% of what's being made? And is that once it's just left the factory and coming to us? Or how do we really account for this? And then going on the B Corp journey, we switched that and it became, we're donating 2% of our annual revenue by way of product donations. So suddenly we had a really accountable way of measuring it. Um, and, and now we can actually share really, really accurate numbers. Um, so to date, just to put it out there, we have donated over 27,000 pairs of period underwear to um, people around New Zealand. Thank you. Is it maybe too soon to ask you how good it was going through the assessment? I'm on the high, but I've definitely got some feedback for the uh, B Lab team um, about the assessment process and. Um, the biggest thing for me was we just need the questions numbered. I think I, uh, I, I, I did a, um, a, I was on one of these, so in Torquay, where I'm based in the head office of Rip Curl, um, they've got a great uh, community group that, that are doing exactly the same as what you guys have here. And same thing, it was one, one bit of advice for B-Lab, it's like, we need numbers on those questions because the amount of times you're scrolling up and down trying to find the question that you're, is relevant. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely it makes sense for us. We're a group of brands that enjoy the outdoors from surfing, hiking, um, camping. So uh, B Corp is the certification that actually instills all of that for us, um, gives us a framework, gives us power to go to the, to the higher people in the business and say, we actually need to do this, um, you know, or we would be at risk of losing this certification. And I think once you're committed to it, you're on the journey and you're just going to have to keep going. So I think for us, it's probably about getting other bigger companies on board um, because I think there was some learnings through the assessment that it, it is focused for smaller companies, um, the assessment process. And I think the whole majority and 50% and 80% and all that caught us up a bit. Um, we've got some great programs in place, but if they didn't hit 50% of our product range or it wasn't above the majority for our workers. Um, having workers across so many different countries in so many different um, sort of government and different pay rates and all of these sorts of things, it made us realise how diverse um, and the challenges that we've got as a company. So um, yeah, definitely an amazing framework for such a big company um, with lots of challenges across so many areas. Be my mic holder sure. again. Um, yeah, when you guys certified, did you meet Tim Loftus? He was the brand manager at Kathmandu. I think is was Francis here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like the guy driving, and when he sort of rang, he said, "We've done it." I'm like, "Holy shit! We've got like a huge company that's a big one. This is amazing." Because before that, it's like Eagle. You know, no offense, but you know, or, or me, or you know, a small company somewhere in New Zealand. People are like, "Who Beagle? Who are these people?" And so it's like, "Oh my god, this Kathmandu! Like, okay, this thing is legit." So. Yeah. Yeah, don't underestimate the power of what you're doing. And then obviously there's Kiwi Bank now, there's Cold Bank, there's Sinlay. Like, I mean, 
yeah, people often say, oh, it's for big companies, it's for small companies. It's hard for small companies as well, because if it's just you in the company, it's like you get to Friday and you go, yeah, I could look at that assessment or I could go for a beer. I'm going for a beer. Um, and it's hard to maybe get documentation and stuff when you're a small company. But when you're a big company, you've got to try and track down the head of some department in Indonesia who you've never met. Yeah, so it's not easy. But if it was easy, they'd all be doing it, which yeah. is why it's good. Um, so back to you then, we'll start that descent. Um, what have you found hard in terms of balancing trying to do the right thing and trying to do the profitable thing? Because it's always going to be a trade-off. And how do you kind of handle that? Um, I guess for us, because the way the brands have been built, um, even though we're out there to sell product, we're still out there to inspire people to get to the outdoors. So as soon as you link the philosophy of what we're doing back to the nature of what we're trying to do as a brand um, and get people to live a more active lifestyle and enjoy the ocean, enjoy the mountains, um, then you can, you know, you can tie it all back and... And, and give purpose to the whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, we've just built it in from the very beginning that we are going to be donating a certain amount of our underwear um, to help eradicate period poverty and knew that our supply chain, that we were going to be using um, organic cottons and recycled nylons. And so we knew that that was going to come at that higher price point. So probably one of the biggest challenges for us over the last few years is when we launched, we were about the fourth or fifth period underwear brand in the world and the first in New Zealand, and now there's thousands. And that's a good thing because it means that people are moving away from single-use pads and tampons, which is the ultimate goal. Um, but there's also now a race to the bottom. It's in supermarkets, it's in the warehouse, it's in Kmart. There's underwear that's now coming back testing positive for PFAS, which is a nasty chemical that um, can really be toxic to people. Um, and so we have, we have all of our underwear and fabrics tested for fluorine, which is, um, if you've got detect fluorine, you're gonna have PFAS. And so we can share all of those results um, and, and have that accountability. But it's definitely proving challenging when there is underwear selling for less than half the price and probably for less than what we can produce it for. And so it comes around to sticking true to what we set out to be, which is a brand with purpose, um, to be able to give back to our communities, to stick true to being um, sustainable and having that whole supply chain, knowing that everybody along our supply chain is looked after. And you know, it, it was working for us because we've got a beautiful story to tell that that highlights all of those things. And we've got our loyal customers and we, we just continue to grow that base because there are always going to be people who um, are in a position to want to be able to buy from businesses with purpose. There will always be people who are price driven and that is just the nature of the world and that's okay. I guess the, the bigger picture is that we're all moving towards a reusable period product so we can be part of that journey and support that. Awesome. Um, I guess for us, it was that inherent tension with how we achieve our purpose. So from the get-go, when we set up the company five years ago, our purpose was to destroy poverty. And we just knew that that was just our non-negotiable purpose. And, and so we do financial feasibility work, we do business case work, we run strategy workshops for clients, and um, we give away 100% of our profits to KidsCan um, to help feed um, kids at Hyatt Community Campus and to Habitat for Humanity to build homes in Nepal. And it was 
phenomenal to have this great, rigorous, respectful debate around our team at, um, at the B Corp table about what's the best way to get more kids fed and to, um, and to um, build more homes in Nepal to destroy more poverty. Because over the last five years, we'd, we'd carved out this niche in the consulting space for helping not-for-profits and the for-purpose sector. So we were having our impact indirectly because these guys were doing the hard mahi on the front and we were helping them make great decisions around the investments they were looking to make with social housing and things like that. And on one hand, we could we had this inherent tension because we could just go and try and, you know, work for for profit businesses and um, those that aren't aligned with destroying poverty, double our charge out rates and give away three times as much to to our amazing partner charities, or we could stay in our lane and do what we really felt passionate about was working with epic um, community organisations and then donating the profits out to that. So that was the inherent tension that we had around, because we had to put it on paper, you know, how do we, you know, what's our BIA, how do we actually achieve our purpose? And um, and so we, we eventually settled on having that split purpose of, um, of solely focusing on impact-based entities that we would partner with, so we're saying no to um, purely for-profit um, entities. And um, and then you know, but maybe sacrificing a bit of um, ability to um, make more profit to give away. So really, really stoked to go on that journey with the team, and because it wasn't just me waking up and going, hey, went for a walk on the beach on the weekend, and this is what we're doing. We actually workshopped it, and we wrestled, and we waxed and waned, and went back and forth. Um, and the B Corp process definitely helped uncover that tension that was there after five years, um, and then resolve it, which is awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> Uh, welcome to the to our world, Kylie. In terms of um, cheap product, um, we've always faced the the battle of having incredibly cheap product out of China, in particular, that we're battling against. So we're trying to do more. So that's the the challenge. And so I guess the risk is we don't do more because we've succumbed to that slippery slope down to the bottom. Uh, the, the marketing team have put in a really cool QR code system from a New Zealand company called Arfida that traces our gloves right back to origin and, and has all sorts of things that it adds value to the customer. Um, it's trying to explain that. I can tell you now that if you go to your dentist or doctor that 50% of the gloves that they buy have got fecal matter on them and they also have salmonella, listeria, um, uh, you name your poison, staph, strep, everything like that because there's no testing system and no checks on arrival into the country so we do that um, for our customers. So there's all those sort of things that we don't need to do and are tempted not to do sometimes because they add to cost, but not, not tempted for very long not to do. We, we, it's part of what we offer, is offering people a better product that they'll use a lot less of over time. Are you guys still the only B Corp PPE company? Yeah. So, which, that's shocking, isn't it? Like, after however many decades of a pandemic, there's only one PPE company that's a B Corp. I, I, spoke, <coughs> I spoke to one in New York last, um, a couple of weeks ago, who's considering it because he's been looking at what we do. He's very similar minded to us socially responsible company, but he said it's so much work, he, he doesn't know how he's going to do it. But um, So there may be two eventually nice. in glove space. We're almost out of time. Uh, are there any questions from the audience before I've got a couple more that I can chuck in, but I just before we run out of time? Or are you all in a stunned existential silence as people <laughs> it happens? I know what it's like. No questions? Cool. Go for it. Let me just grab it. Um, oh, oh. With a need that. Because oh, we're, we're recording it for people. Oh. Yeah. So with your supply chain dilemmas and getting your uh, suppliers on board on the journey, what was the biggest resistance that you had to that? 
To anyone in particular? Possibly Shasta. Anybody at work? Yeah. <laughs> Shasta, Steve, Carly. I guess the reality is cost. Um, you know, better materials cost more, but if you're invested in it, you'll pay more, that the company will pay more. Um, you know, looking at waste from supply chain, you know, what are they doing with the waste produced through creating our products um, and having that conversation. Uh, I think, I think it's a challenge in any, in any industry because if the factory manager or the owner of that business is not invested in environmental doing things better, you're always gonna be faced with resistance. But I think it's up to us as a brand or the customer of that industry to be pushing those suppliers um, further. I mean, there has been a lot of government intervention to create you know, better industries in the overseas manufacturing, but we can't just rely on the government to do it, so we have to be asking those questions. And I think as soon as you start putting it into the conversation, then the next time you go and visit that supplier, they've got a presentation for you that has a slide on what they're doing in their community for the local people. And that probably wouldn't have happened unless the customers that are going to those factories are asking those questions and putting a little bit of pressure on. So it's just the conversation starter, really, for me. For us, what we would ultimately like to do is be able to measure um, our emissions further back than just our cut make so manufacturer. We'd really like to be able to see the um, yeah, what the emissions that are coming from the ginning and the spinning and the dyeing mills that um, are ours um, emissions. Um, but that's pro proving to be really challenge challenging because we are a very small business in the scheme of what's coming out of those factories and to actually be able to dial back and get them to be able to put a number of how many hours or what machines were used and be able to get that. Um, so that, that's the ultimate goal is to be able to measure and then offset all of our emissions all the way back to the cotton fields really from the picking of it, the transport to all of, um, all of the different factories along the way until it gets to us. At the moment we're only really measuring from um, our Sri Lanka uh, manufacturer, because they solely make for us, we can um, measure the emissions that are coming out of there um, and be able to offset that, but really we can only um, really effectively man um, measure the emissions from when it leaves, so the completed product leaving um, our two manufacturers and all of the freight and um, all the way through all of our business operations in New Zealand until it gets to the customer's door we can measure, but the ultimate goal is all the way back. Um, I guess that our, our suppliers tend to see us as a breath of fresh air because we're not going in and saying what's the price. It's, it's always other things, and they see us having a point of difference generally. I mean, it's still we still have to be competitive and all that sort of thing. But um, and they know what we're doing with our testing. Um, we're keeping loop in the loop on that and our QR code supply chain. So they know we're serious about it. So I think that's the main thing. You know, it's sort of we're we're giving them. Um, um, enthusiasm for our cause by, by um, just seeing what we're doing as opposed to a lot of their customs that just want a cheap glove. Has anyone walked away from a supplier that won't just buy them? We've used our, I'll, I'll pass on, but we've used our suppliers for over a decade now and so most of them, and well all of them actually and, and longer so we've, we've never had to push them away. I've, I've been to some factories which if I had more time I'd make you sick. Um, and so we've, we've had the opportunity to use factories that we've walked away from because they're just so bad. 
Uh, no, we, we haven't um, walked away from any of our suppliers. We were using the same suppliers from when we started, and we did that homework on them before we um, before we chose to work with them. We had, had the BSCI audits um, that we'd received about them, um, and we've got a supplier code of conduct, which we put together as part of the B Corp, um, and both our suppliers have really brought into it. They're really passionate about what we do as well, um, which is great. So we'll just continue to build those relationships with them. Uh, yeah, we definitely have. Um, yeah, they're not on the same journey as us and not invested in this space. Uh, it's definitely the sourcing team's responsibility to find someone better. Um, and you know, that is a hard conversation because there's people out there that believe you shouldn't walk away from factories. If you see something being done not, not the right way, you should invest in, and build them up. But I guess if you don't have that investment from the, from the owners or the management, you know you're always gonna be fighting against it. So finding the partners that are on the same journey as you is definitely a major part. Um, I think creditation and things like that is definitely coming in. So supply chain, I mean, there's so many different certifications um, from your mills, um, your farming and traceability. Uh, that's like a whole nother area that is becoming very, um, very important to us. Um, we've always sort of tracked and traced and had nominated mills um, for fabrics because of the technical features of what we make. Uh, but then trying to push them in lowering their emissions and things is a really big challenge. Uh, we've started using the heat portal, so part of the B Corp assessment, you know, it's how are you tracking your waste, your water, your energy usage and your chemicals within the supply chain. So using the heat module, which is a self-guided um, program that factories actually do themselves. And what we've found is if you're not sending in a company to just do the assessment for them um, and they actually have to do it themselves, it's almost like going through a little bit of a mini B Corp assessment as a factory and putting all of their environmental impact into a system that then they can share and can get it verified through auditors. Then it allows for if we're using the same factory, that supplier can share the same information with both of us and they're investing because they pay for it and they share that, that knowledge. So. That's kind of the strategy that we're working on now and trying to get our full supply chain on board with that, with that program and doing it for environmental awareness as well as the social awareness. Um, because, yeah, as Steve said, these factories are really, they've got auditors coming through, you know, every second week. Um, and there's a lot of audit fatigue and getting the same information. And if you're not getting that information and actually empowering and doing improvements, then what's the point of having them? It's just really risk mitigation. So really trying to use the information that comes to us, assess it, and then build that partnership that you're on the journey together um, is a huge, huge part of it. Right. Thank you, microphone no yep. So last question, just to finish up. So we're celebrating sort of 10 years of the movement. Some of you newer to the movement, some of you clearly not newer to the movement. Um, looking forward to, to the next 10 years, so in 10 years' time, what does the B Corp movement look like for you? Um, I don't know, I'll still be enjoying it, I hope. Um, I <laughs> think there's... Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe you'll be a bit fatigued. Oh, well, hopefully we'll have some other brands and we'll be um, driving, you know, going beyond for those companies too. So, 
Um, I think for me it's probably really about the connection with B-Lab and obviously being kind of newer to, to the movement and the community, just really trying to get the B Corp message across because I think we've even put it on our FPOS machines, you answer a question, do you know what a B Corp is in our Australian business? And at the moment the stats are showing pretty low. So I think there's a big um, part that B Lab and B Corp need to play in getting the name and getting um, getting the robustness of this certification out there to prove to customers that it is better to be buying a product that is B Corp certified. Um, and I really think the new draft principles, I'm not sure how many people have reviewed the, the draft principles, but you know, that is really going to push us with our emissions and, and having science-based targets and reduction of our emission program and, and looking at wages. So for us, you know, being a multinational business, you know, we would need to look at fair wages across our whole employee, like all our employees, and that's going to be a huge project. So, you know, I think if the certification continues to um, push us, then it's going to push us in the right directions and the B Corp journey is going to hold as strong as it, as it is today. So, yeah. I think in 10 years' time, it would just be great to see so many more B Corps, but without B Corp compromising, because it does have such a high um, threshold for, for certification and for that to be maintained and um, even raise the bar on that so that um, it does really challenge businesses who do want to become B Corp certified and those who want to recertify to keep pushing it out and to continue, continually improve. And I think it would be great just to see this community bigger as well, like to triple, quadruple this size and to have a lot more B Corps um, being able to share that messaging and to be able to help others on the journey because it is really a collaborative approach. It's not a, oh, I'm a B Corp and you're not. Like It's like, let's bring everybody on this because it is about people and planet and we're all doing this um, for a better good. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think just making it mainstream, right? You know, uh, without selling out, um, but just making it, it's not just some little niche thing. It's some, you know, you can imagine in 10 years time, you know, a, a young grad jumps on seek and says, I want to look for a job in this region, in this classification. And there's a button that says, yep, and, and I want to work for a B Corp. And so it filters out everyone that's not a B Corp, just make it something that's known and that people are filtering both purchases and using their employment by. So, no, bring it on. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think all, all those things and, and that uh, it's just becomes the norm. It's the standard for a good business that people use. And I think B Lab will have to work hard to make keep it open to the whole community um, from whatever spectrum they come from because we need the 62-year-old, middle-aged, whatever, white guys and everyone else to be on board and see the benefits for whatever reason. So, yeah, and, and I think it's just, it's a, a growing, fast community and I guess if it's exponential, it'll be 800 people at this event in 10 years' time. Is that the story? Good maths. Yeah. I don't do numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I will relieve you of all your mic holding duties. Thank, Thank you. you. You did a great job. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so hopefully, maybe in 10 years' time, instead of it being we go beyond it, we go, we're just business as usual. This is quite boring. Like, why are we <laughs> meeting out to talk about B Corp? Because we're all doing it. I mean, that's the plan, eh? Um, so, massive round of applause, please, for our panellists. They were awesome. Come on. Uh, you had your chance. Um, thank you, Heather. Um, come on. Uh, so yeah, thanks again to our food sponsors. I didn't see, was there, is there food left? If there is, get amongst it, take some. 
Um, if not, people at Kathmandu are going to get a nice early morning tea bonus, and they, I'm sure they get enough good stuff. Um, oh, come on. I even changed your batteries. Thanks to Korshik for the microphone that I couldn't get to work, um, but he's a legend anyway. Uh, thanks to Kandu, and of course, thanks to KMD um, for being an awesome B Corp and for hosting us here. Um, if you um, want to connect with B Local, so when you got your ticket today, I think you were asked if you wanted to be signed up to our newsletter from B Local. If you've changed your mind and you, you didn't click yes to that, and you're like, actually, these guys aren't that bad. I might want to come hang out with them again. You can go to this link or just get a hold of me, Kath or Kathy. We'll be around afterwards. We'll put you on the mailing list. We do semi-regular catch-ups. Um, we haven't got the next one planned because this one just drained us so much. I think we were just kind of like, let's just get this one out of the way. Um, so the next one's probably going to be just meeting in a pub and having a beer because that's easy for us to organise. Um, but yeah, if you want to come and be a part of Be Local, um, yeah, come and join the mailing list. Come and hang out with us. But other than that, um, you've been awesome. We've all been amazing. Thank you so much. Stick around if you want. The, ven the We're still good in here, aren't we, for quite a while. So if you want to stick around, if work sounds really boring now compared to being a B Corp, I don't blame you. So yeah, come and hang out. But thank you all so much for being here. We'll see you next time.